everyone. Today we're here with Mike Harmon from Wachusa Recording Company. Hey Mike, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. So so you're the, the owner and lead engineer at Wachusa Recording, and um, could you let us know a little bit about what you do here at the studio? Sure. Um, we're a, you know, a full-on recording studio here. We work with everybody from local singer-songwriters to um, somewhat national and regional bands. Um, Pretty much anything to do with the recording process, whether somebody wants to come in, just cut a quick demo, working on an EP, a single, full length, uh, pretty much do it all. And not necessarily just within the musical realm, we also do like some voiceover stuff and uh, some like commercial music as well. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your journey? Uh, journey, excuse me, leading up to opening the studio? Yeah. Um, so I started playing music as a kid uh, somewhere around like 11 or so and was pretty much dedicated to trying to make a run at this and being a musician full time. Um, so I did everything I could to like involve myself in pretty much any musical activity growing up um, throughout high school and such. And then um, you know, played in bands and all of that. And essentially, uh, when I was like 15 or 16, decided I wanted to approach a local recording studio about recording there, which mm -hmm. kind of transitioned into me also being somewhat of an intern type role. Um, I was in there maybe like once a week working on like my own album, but uh, was poking around other days of the week, just really trying to kind of get a grasp on this whole recording thing. Um, so really like started, started to kind of like immerse myself in the studio environment, um, in like my teenage years. Following high school, I went off to Berkeley College of Music and studied, um, music production and engineering there, um, which really kind of like helped grasp the real concept behind all of this. Mm -hmm. You know, like before then, if you put me behind a board, I wouldn't know what to do. I could kind of like find my way around Pro Tools and such, but, um, uh, that was definitely like, you know, repetition, hammered at home, and all the kind of signal flow concepts and such. Um, and then following that, I worked out of a couple studios in the Boston area for a little bit before relocating to Central Mass, starting my own studio, which had always kind of been a dream. Um, and then the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was like two and a half years ago. There so. you go. And, and, and what kind of projects do you get here in the studio? I, I mean, are there are you are there some that you look forward to more than others um, as well? Yeah, or? I mean, I think like anything else, the more that I can be involved, the more I'm looking forward to it. But we pretty much see it all. So, you know, there's some bands that are maybe like a cover band that just want to come in and cut a demo to like shop around to a few different venues just as like a here's a package of what we are kind of thing, mm -hmm. which really on my end requires just getting a sweet sound and like clean signal out of all of this um, versus the people that come in and are like, hey, I play acoustic guitar and I wrote these songs, but I want to have like a full-fledged band album kind of thing where I get to play drums or maybe one of the other guys plays guitar or bass or something like that. Um, those types of projects are a lot of fun because they're very hands-on, not only from like the engineering side of things, but from like the music production side of things too. Mm -hmm. um, so those are definitely the ones that I look forward to. Um, and then in terms of like the types of projects that we work on, 
Um, like I said, we do like any range of the recording process. Um, Genre-wise, we pretty much work with like every different style. Um, we've done everything from like jazzy folk Americana stuff mm -hmm. all the way down to like you know super meticulous like pop punk that's very like heavily tracked on guitars and all this crazy drum stuff going on. Um, we've done some metal work. We've done some hip hop stuff. Um, but I said, you know, I'd say like for the most part, we're pretty much like a uh, either folky Americana indie type place, or we do also do a lot of the like pop punk world. Okay, so nice. And um, if if you could tell the recording artist one thing before the session, yeah. um, you know, to help them kind of be as productive as possible uh, um, before they come here, what what would you tell them? Um, I would definitely, I mean, it goes without saying, rehearsal is huge. Right. Um, you know, like, don't come in if you really don't know the songs yet, because at that point, it's not my time you're wasting, it's your own time and your own dollar. Um, so really kind of like having the arrangements down is pretty much a necessity when you're going to go and come into the recording studio. Now, um, as far as preparation goes, when you're like booked and ready to go. I think coming in and having an open mind about like how you're going to approach certain arrangements um, is pretty key. I mean, you could be working with a producer that might find that this really cool bass part that you came up with is awesome in and of itself, but in the context of what the drummer's playing or what the guitar player's playing or something like that, um, finding a thing that might like a better mold that fits mm -hmm. um, for the song itself so I guess like taking personal egos and personal like attachments to certain things and not completely throwing them out the window because I mean any artist should make a good argument for why they choose to do something right um, but just having an open mind about like ooh, what if we like what if we make this chorus halftime or what if we you know this bridge is like four times too long let's snip it down or do we need two guitar solos in the song stuff like mm -hmm. that um, just kind of having like an open mind arrangement wise and then just communication with like if you're working with a producer if you're working with an engineer directly um, just communication about like what you should expect for that day uh, a lot of people come in and say well we've got 10 songs and it takes 40 minutes for us to play through all 10 songs, so we'll book two hours and we can play each song twice. I'm like, well, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, doesn't work that way. Yeah, if you want it to, like, sound like a really good rehearsal, sure, that could work, but, you know, if you're trying to make a record, you need to know that it takes some serious time and effort to put into it, and you kind of, I don't want to say, like, you get what you pay for, but you, like, you know, whatever you kind of have in your mind about what it should take, really just think about that process and talk to somebody who's experienced um, in the recording world to really say, like, yeah, when we tracked a four-song EP, it took, like, seven days, you know? Right. Uh, That's true. And a lot, of, a lot of guys do end up rushing through um, making an album, too. Yeah. Um, and they set these kind of, like, deadlines for themselves that they don't even need to set at yeah. the time. That's why, I mean, I've, that was one of the biggest complaints I've, I've had or... Not really complaints, but things I've told artists is, is um, you know, it's better to have, like, three solid songs that you put a lot, like, if budget is an issue. Sure. 
put your money into three solid songs yeah. first, get those sounding great, and then move on to the next rather than trying to cram them all in yeah. to what you can afford on like one or two days. And that's kind of what we also do like when we talk with an artist about doing a record or doing like any type of session. We usually say like, here's what the goal is, here's what it would take, mm -hmm. and if any of these factors, be it time, budget, or anything else, can't be flexible, then let's see what we can do in four days here's what we think we can do uh you know if this is over budget here's what we can do within the budget that you have or something like that you mm -hmm. know it's like there's always a wiggle room um unfortunately it, most of the time at the expense of more songs but yeah you know would you rather put out a five song ep that sounds kind of rushed and you never got to things like background vocals or mm -hmm. the added percussion or guitar track or something that like really makes it sound like a record um or would you rather have like a three song thing that you did right in the same amount of time you know yeah that's, absolutely it's my personal philosophy mine so, too man that's perfect yeah and um i mean once they're in the studio recording um you know what factors contribute to a great session while they're making the record like what can they do so we talked about what they can do before what can they do in session that helps um of course like just the obvious things like try to relax try to have some fun you know um being behind a recording device like pro tools or something like that just because the red light's on doesn't mean that if you mess up you can't take it again mm -hmm. there's nothing to be embarrassed about you know it's really funny when like musicians come in and they perform all the time in front of live audiences but they come into the studio and like completely freeze up because the idea that like this is going to be forever kind of like gets into their head and really messes with them but i mean name your favorite song how many vocal takes do you think that person did so mm -hmm. um you know loosen up have fun is a big thing um and then like i said just kind of like have a goal in mind for the day have an agenda in mind for the day so if you know, you're starting to notice that there's downtime or something like that. How can you, like, proactively be working towards whatever the next goal is? And, um, you know, working with a producer should certainly also kind of help with that uh, right. day schedule and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind yeah. of... Have fun. <laughs> um, and and for some of the gearheads out there, uh, could you let us know some of your most, uh, like, prized possession, prized like, go-to gear... Um, sure. things that you're, you know, um, that you're excited to show people when they come into the studio. Yeah, I mean, like the obvious centerpiece is probably our console. Uh, it's a Trident Series 65 board. Um, pretty much the board has been left stock, although it is a, a platform that a lot of people have modded, um, which at some point we'll probably do, but haven't really had any quick need to do so far. Mm -hmm. um, so this features tw 32 preamps and EQs, sends for every channel, uh, final output level on a fader. Um, it's really got a nice like punch for kind of a mid-sized console. Uh, a lot of bang for the buck, as I'd like to say. Yeah. Um, aside from that, we've got like some great compressors, like an 1176, an LA-2A, um, some like warm audio Pultec EQ. Uh, we've got a two-inch tape machine, which unfortunately doesn't get used as much as it should given like recall needs and such mm -hmm. by bands these days um awesome like roland chorus echo tape delay which is sweet 
Um, nice. And then, like, on the instrument side of things, we've got, like, all kinds of guitar heads and guitar cabs, which are really fun to, like, pair up and basically build, like, a wall of sound and just say, like, well, why don't we try this? Why don't we try this? You know, when we're mm-hmm. guitar tracking or something like that and really just, like, be in the room with the person playing with different sounds. Um, and, you know, same goes for pedals. We've got all kinds of, like, boutique pedals. We have total of, like, five drum sets, um, you know, a Hammond organ, a Wurlitzer, a Rhodes, um, some great mics. Some of the favorites are definitely, like, our Telefunken AR-51. It's pretty much, like, you put that thing in front of anything mm-hmm. and it's going to sound amazing. Uh, we've got a RCA-77, which has a lot of serious, like, vintage vibe going on, an AEA R84, um, some really cool mics from Sontronics uh, that we like to use for, like, overheads and acoustic guitar and such. Um, and then, like, the typical workhorses. So yeah. I pretty much just spewed it all off. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole gear list. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. cool. It's definitely cool. Yeah. Um, so, so changing, so kind of switching to mixing a bit. Um, when you are mixing a record, um, you know, what methods do you take to make sure you're, you're in the right mindset and you capture the vibe of the song? Yeah. Um, I think really trying to, like, get the vision for the project in, like, the early stages before I even sit down and mix is pretty, like, crucial to the mixing process mm-hmm. if that makes sense so kind of like you know a band coming in and being open to like arrangement changes and stuff um once their song is recorded and finished and it's my job to mix it you know i've gotten really crazy mix notes from bands that are just like i want to sound sad but not like uh you know a lame guy who sounds sad i want to sound <laughs> like batman when he's sad and i was just like <laughs> how do I interpret this, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so um, kind of like thinking out of the box sometimes too. And like, you know, we all have our things where we reach to first for typical like signal chain or something like that. And um, I guess the big thing is just trying to like make sure that I'm not going through the motions and really like addressing things on a global level. So like, you know, if the if the kick drum sounds good, not spending 24 hours trying to make it sound, like, amazing because, you know, it's almost perfect or something like that. Like, looking at the big picture here and say, like, here's what I've got for the track. Um, Let's try to kind of balance all these instruments together. And then if something needs to be addressed on, like, an individual basis, go from there. Um, I like to do a lot of automation in my mixes, so, like... You know, the vocal track is pretty much, like, all over the place. Um, sometimes, like, doing cool delays and stuff, like, genre permit- permitting. But then, you know, with some of the, like, bluegrass or, like, jazz stuff, it's more, like, set it and forget it type stuff, you know, because right. the, the ensemble, like, balances themselves. So I guess, like, really just trying to capture the overall vision of what the artist is trying to convey mm-hmm. and then trying to translate that on the mix side of things. If it's something that's like very meticulously put together, um, I might have to get a little more heavy handed with like automation and like certain EQs and effects for like certain sections versus like if it's five guys playing in a room and I tracked it and tried to make sure I did a good job of making sure that it sounds really good in that stage, then when I go and mix it, it's probably going to be a little more hands-off, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. Yeah. 
definitely does. And um, for both you and the artist you're working with, um, how do you deal with song fatigue? Meaning, um, you know, you you hear the song so many times, yeah. and sometimes you can go back and forth with bass up, bass down, or vocals up, vocals down, and yeah. then it gets to the point where um, you kind of get lost in the song and you both start getting frustrated, potentially. Sure. Um, what are ways you kind of deal with that? Um, I know there's the obvious stepping away yeah. for, for a bit. Yeah, so, I mean, I think if I'm catching, you know, if I'm doing a mix and I'm maybe six hours into my day at that point or something like that and my ears are starting to be fatigued, um, that's one thing and there's, like, not really that much you can do to prevent that other than, you know, try to make sure you're not, hey, it's 10 a.m., let's crank it up. Right. You know, like, maybe try to pace yourself in terms of, like, prolonging the uh the fatigue but um so like the obvious thing would be step away if something like that is happening um if it's more on like a intellectual level you're you're starting to be like kind of bored of the song or something like mm -hmm. that um i would certainly hope that it happens to me before it happens to the artist yeah. <laughs> for one Ideal, yeah. uh, because <laughs> if they're bored of it i can't really help them in that regard exactly but um i think you know like a lot of times you can kind of the same concept like revisit it at a later date um you know if there's certain things that are sticking out to you and you're starting to be like kind of frustrated or something like that then maybe take two days and listen to it in your car like once or twice and really like hone in on the notes that you have go back and adjust it check it again and go from there um certain things like uh the vocal needs to be down one db in the bridge because it's killing me here mm. um and i go and make those adjustments or if a band like particularly wants like a vocal more out front overall or something like that i try not to really stress about that because it is their song it is their art um anything that i'm uncomfortable with you know my name is going on it too so i'm gonna make a damn good argument for right. but usually the kinds of things that are being like contemplated at this point are um, just like artistic vision and toy uh, choice. So I think uh, you know just trying to kind of take what they have to say and not fretting over like the the small stuff that isn't going to really make all that much of a difference to the listener in the end product. Um, one example is there's an engineer uh, who more or less does a lot of his work out of the box. So pretty much what he does, he tracks an album. Right, and if he's mixing the record, then he'll go and he'll do his mixes. You know, the band is not there, which is cool, and, and sometimes, you know, it really helps to have the artist here. Um, and he does basically like live recalls. So he does a mix, he sends it off to you, and he says, You got 24 hours, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, uh, it's 5 o'clock, I'm going home for the day coming back at 9 a.m. That's not 24 hours, but... Uh, <laughs> and if you need changes made, I'll do it, print it, and we're done. Yeah. You know? So it really makes the artist kind of, like, sit and listen to it and be like, eh, is this okay? You know what? It's fine. Like, am I gonna... Am I gonna argue over a half dB in the bass or something like that? Or do I really care if this part or this part... Because it's so easy to, like, get nitpicky, you know? It I, is. Uh, recently, was mixing a record where... Half the songs were tracked at one point, and then a small break, and then half the songs were tracked again later. And here we are, 
wrapping up mixes for the f second batch of songs and I go back and make a tweak for one of the first ones and it's like let's not open up this can of worms you know like those songs sound good you approved of these mixes so yeah. let's kind of keep forward motion here yeah absolutely absolutely and um do you have any interesting or, or funny stories from the studio like good or bad just anything that's happened here that you know you look back on just like i can't believe that happened yeah i mean <laughs> or i can't believe that happened you know, yeah good or bad. i guess <laughs> how long you got <laughs> and how appropriate but yeah um you know there's like been some really cool stuff where one time i was working on a movie soundtrack uh for like a student film like there was you know being submitted to independent music festival um independent film festivals and mm -hmm. such um so these guys came in to like work on their project and had a few parts to record, it was like acoustic guitar, and they booked maybe like four hours or something like that. Um, so we basically get the soundtrack stuff done, and it's maybe an hour and a half, like two hours into this thing. And, uh, sorry about that. Basically, all of a sudden, like, these two other guys show up, and they're like, okay, cool, we're done with the soundtrack stuff, like, this is our band, we're gonna track our demo now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know yeah. so these guys play in a surf rock band and they decide that like oh yeah we booked four hours we're gonna spend two on our soundtrack and then like two tracking everything mm. for this like demo and I had no idea that these guys were gonna be doing this kind of thing so I'm like shit you know like what's gonna this is gonna be a disaster like yeah. I'm gonna get everything set up and sound checked and I basically have to do like an entire band live to Pro Tools right now and uh I'm just like freaking out. I don't have an intern or like an extra hand here or anything like that, which, you know, you get in the zone, get set up, whatever. Um, so I pretty much set everything up as quickly as I could while still obvious, obviously like making sure I get good sounds and stuff. And these guys like took maybe an hour, played down their entire like set of maybe like eight songs or something like that and crushed it. And it was mm. like, what just happened? You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. these guys, like, you know, obviously we weren't making a record. They're just like cutting a demo to like put up on their, you know, SoundCloud page or something like that. Um, but it was like, wow, man, that was like really weird. Like, I kind of did not expect to do this at all. And all of a sudden, like, this thing came and went within like an hour and a half, two hours worth of time. Like, set up, tear down, play through everything. Mm -hmm. It was pretty funny wow. um we've also had some really strange like situations um one that i said in the written interview um we had a vocalist come down from toronto or he's a guitar player and he he you know wrote songs sang on them we played i played drums my partner played bass and um you know we like made a record with this guy so he was taking voice lessons back home and his voice teacher suggested that when he does his warm-ups he go home, go out and purchase like a vibrator to mm. kind of like massage his neck and loosen up his vocal cords and stuff so he like springs this on us and you know we go in every morning we're like kind of listening to the rough, rough mixes from the night before like kind of addressing any issues or anything like that and he's just like sitting on the couch with this thing just like going ham on his vocal cords <laughs> and all right i'm gonna go out in the car and warm up and we're just like what is the deal with this? You yeah. know, we like talk to him about it. We're like, you gotta be kidding me. 
you know, but it apparently worked. So, like, uh, later on in the session, where things are getting weird and we're, like, pulling out guitar pedals and, like, doing all this crazy feedback and stuff, and the producer just reaches for this, like, it's basically like a metal, like, bead with, like, a remote control, mm -hmm. and we're just, like, dangling it in front of the guitar, and it's just, like, creating this crazy, like, you know, electronic sound that mm. made it to the record, and it was definitely, like, the only time I've recorded a vibrator and it was on uh, recording that was really weird yeah, that is, yeah that's that's something i haven't heard before so yeah. yeah yeah but you know i mean everybody's got stories it's yeah. kind of like we could probably that could be a segment in and of itself that could be its own interview yeah i know yeah. i have stories another time yeah another time for that yeah. one um so yeah um you also play around or play music around town quite a bit um mm -hmm. just locally or maybe even um I don't know how far you've actually toured, but you could fill us in. Like, um, could you tell us a little bit about kind of like the the projects you're involved with? Yeah. Um, so I play drums and bass primarily. Um, I played bass with a band called Grain Thief. Uh, it's kind of an Americana folk outfit. Um, upright bass, fiddle, mandolin, and two guitars, mm. and you know, a couple of us sing. Um, so we're working on a record right now. We have an, a demo out from last year, um, and uh, you know we play locally around like New England. Um, my fiance is a singer-songwriter, so I perform with her as well. Her name's Kara Brindisi. Um, she sings and plays guitar, um, and then I play drums with a band called Dan and the Wildfire, which I just recently joined, um, and that's kind of like a uh, Americana soul kind of like bluesy outfit um, drums bass electric guitar keys and trumpet nice which is pretty sweet um, so that's pretty much it I mean yeah. you know I'm like a, a hired gun sometimes mm -hmm. for the occasional gig here or there but uh, those are pretty much like the mainstays in my schedule so, okay yeah. perfect and uh, uh, lastly is there anything else um, that um, you know we should all know about you, the studio, your music? Um, I mean, just hit us up. Come say hi if you're in the area, if you ever want to stop by and check the place out. Um, check us out on like Facebook and Instagram and all of that. I try to do a pretty good job of you know, having a presence online. Um, better yet, come record with us. I wouldn't complain. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, uh, just don't hesitate to reach out, you know? I love meeting other musicians, engineers, pretty much anybody that's that's uh, making a run at this, you know? Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, thank you so much yeah, uh, for pleasure. joining thank us. Thank you. Um, if you'd like to know anything more about Mike or his studio or his music, um, you can check the links below. And uh, we'll see you next time.